0: Welcome to the Unapologetic Man Podcast, the only podcast that's all about self improvement, confidence, success, women, and being a man without making any apologies for it. What is up, gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the UMP. Happy Halloween, guys. I hope you're going to have a good time tonight. I absolutely love Halloween. I think it's my second favorite holiday next to 4th of July where you get to blow some shit up. And I actually don't know if everybody around the world celebrates Halloween, but dude, it's so sick, right? We get to get dressed up. It's all about ghosts and ghouls and goblins, and I love that shit, man. It's just something so alluring about death and darkness and ghosts and what is really happening on the other side. And I got three really good ghost stories for you. The final one is absolutely amazing. And I actually have a recording of a ghost voice. And we're going to listen to that at the very end of this podcast. So make sure to stay tuned for that. So I'm going to kick this off with two of my own ghost stories. I've had two experiences with what I feel were ghosts. I'm sure you guys have had experiences too, but these are pretty convincing, at least for me. I fully believe in ghosts, 100%. I'm going to talk about a little bit why, as we shop for a new home, Marissa and I, one of the first questions I ask is, did anybody die in this home? Because if they fucking died there, I'm out like sauerkraut. I'm off like a prom dress. Don't let the door hit me where the Lord split me because I'm not living in a house where somebody died. We actually live on the front range of Colorado and there were a bunch of buffalo herds exactly where we're living. And the Arapaho Indians used to live out here. And like, when we bought our house, I was like, what if, you know, an Indian died here? And I wake up in the middle of the night and I just hear this, "Shumani oh, oaji nah, hey, hello, Mark Singh. And I'm like, oh my God, there's a fucking Indian ghost in my house. But there hasn't been any experiences whatsoever. I think this place is clean. I don't know about you, man, but I can feel that shit. I swear to God I can sense it. We went on this haunted cave tour a couple months ago down in Colorado Springs, which is about an hour south of Denver. I live an hour north of Denver, but we went down there. Man, I felt some shit down there. I was like convinced that there were ghosts in there. I'm just super sensitive to that stuff because I meditate on a daily basis. And I think when you touch that part of spirituality, you kind of open up your third eye chakra, as it were, and you can sense that shit. So I wanna ask you, can you sense that shit? Man, I lived in Japan and that place is haunted, 100% haunted everywhere you go. Why? Because so many people have died there, like just stacks and stacks and stacks of bodies just left and right. And now in Japan, don't know if you knew this, you're actually not allowed to bury bodies. They have to be cremated because they've simply run out of space. So actually, one of my ghost stories does take place in Japan, and I'm going to launch into that. But before I do, boys, the reason why telling stories is so important is because girls love this shit. As human beings, we spent 200,000 years of evolution telling stories. And an interesting theory they have is that campfires actually created language because we all sat around campfires and we started going, ah, ooh to each other. And then over thousands of years of evolution, we actually created language so we can communicate and stories were derived of that. So you are very much wired to enjoy and also learn from stories. So if you're able to tell stories to women, it gets massive attraction, absolutely massive attraction. So I've done episodes about storytelling before. I'm not gonna launch too much into it here because I wanna save time for the three cool stories I have to tell you today. But search for my name, Mark Singh, S-I-N-G, and then put storytelling in there. I've done an episode, I think it was like two years ago, about storytelling and how important it is. But make no mistake, man. Storytelling is one of the biggest things I do to chicks, and I really rely on it to bring content into my conversations with women. And when I do that, I just get massive attraction because I have so many cool stories, like the ones I'm gonna tell you. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't have a lot of cool stories and I beg to differ. You absolutely do, brother. You have had a life full of adventure, full of things happening. Even if you don't think you have, I guarantee you have. And the way to find stories is to look through the pictures of your life to remind you of those places you've been, those things you've done, those hobbies you used to be into, stories always come out of that. I mean, every year you live, you have at least five good stories from that year, in my opinion, telling those stories to women gets massive, massive attraction. So rather than telling you how to tell stories, I'm simply gonna demonstrate how I might do it to a woman. Today's Halloween, so of course, we are doing three ghost stories, so let's kick off into the first one. First one is probably the most mellow and they're gonna get a little bit more intense as we go, but it happened in Japan. So I used to live near Osaka in Japan and Osaka is the second biggest city in Japan. And my buddy Takedo lived in Nara, which is a city next to Japan. There's like a lot of rich people there. So one of his friends, he was an older gentleman, had a mansion and the mansion was pretty much abandoned because this guy had places in Japan, he had places in the United States, he had a place in the Mariana Islands, Saipan Island. So this guy was basically a multi-millionaire and he just had this mansion that was kind of abandoned. It's like everything inside of it was old. The electricity didn't work and there was no cooling and this was during the winter. In Japan, winters get pretty damn cold. I think it's about on par with like England with how cold it gets. They do get snow in some areas, so it gets pretty cold. But kato and i had the opportunity to stay the night in that mansion one night and we were like yeah man this is awesome it's a huge house tons of different rooms it's this like gigantic gorgeous place that felt a little bit out of disrepair it had some old furniture inside but we were young you know i was like 26 or something like that so i was like Fuck it let's do it so we go into the mansion and we get in there and yeah it was a little creepy it was a little creepy specifically because they didn't have any lights on and it didn't have any cooling so we we're like wearing our entire jackets in there and we were gonna get in sleeping bags and we were just i don't even remember man we were young you know you just watch videos and throw the ball around and fuck around it was just cool being in a mansion so as we're doing our thing takedo mentions that his brother Hideto would sometimes come to the mansion too and he would just show up randomly and in fact he was kind of squatting there his brother was a few years younger and he just kind of mentioned that to me so i was like oh that's cool you know he probably enjoys it just like we are and being in his early 20s it really didn't matter so anyway the night continues and i had to go out to the car to grab something so i go downstairs i go outside to the car and i come back in and i walk past the basement and the basement was like this door that was adjacent to the stairs that led up into the main area and clear as day I heard a girl laughing inside the basement room, like clear as day. I will take that to my grave. I 100% heard that and it didn't sound creepy. It wasn't like he, it was just a girl laughing. It <laughs> sounded like a teenage girl <laughs> laughing. So as I was walking back upstairs, I was like, damn, it looks like Takedo's brother is here and he's got some chick with him. So I go into the room and I'm like, hey dude, your brother's downstairs. He's like, are you, what are you talking about? He's in Osaka right now. I'm like, nah, dude, he's downstairs. He's with some chick. I heard her giggling like downstairs. He's like, are you serious? He told me he was staying in Osaka tonight. So we go down there and we open the door and there's nothing there, nothing there. So we look all around, we're like tripping. We're looking for like a voice recorder. We're thinking maybe did it come from outside? Like, what is this? But the whole neighborhood was quiet. I swear on my life, I heard a girl giggle in that room And that entire night, dude, I just felt super creeped out. Nothing more happened. I know it's not like the greatest story, but dude, I heard a fucking ghost giggle, bro. Give me some credit. Have you ever heard a ghost giggle? I didn't think so. So save your judgment because that scared the living shit out of me. My second story, this one's a little bit better. I went to UC Santa Cruz. It's a few hours South of San Francisco. It's right on the beach. And I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, I used to live on the beach and go surfing. But at this time, I was a freshman in the dorms. Don't know if you guys ever lived in dorms, but I would kill to know what I know now about women back then. Because back then, I couldn't get laid if I was in a Tijuana brothel with $100 bills strapped to my penis. I had no idea what to say to all these fucking hot girls running around. I was so horny, I'd fuck a snake if I could hold it straight. But alas, I was a virgin until I was 21. I was horrible with women, which is why I think I'm a good dating coach. Because I've been in the absolute depths of hell, unable to attract women. They wouldn't even look at me twice. And now I am, for all intents and purposes, a girl magnet. So if you aren't able to get girls or you're anywhere on the spectrum of kinda getting girls but not the ones you want, I've been through every phase. I've been through complete Sahara Desert to Saudi Arabian king level harem shit where it's just like all chicks all the time wake up under like 67 bodies of naked females. (laughs) Like I've been in insane situations, but at that time I didn't get any action at all. So anyway, we're living in the dorms and we went to one of our dorm mates dorm rooms and we got out the Ouija board. Have you guys ever fucked with one of these things? You can ask ghost questions and you all put your hands on this little slider thing with a window in it and it slides to like different letters and it like spells out things. It's really weird because we we're all barely touching it. And you probably have done it before too. It, it seems to work to me, man. Maybe it's just a bunch of people unconsciously pushing it around, which is probably true. But nonetheless, we're doing the Ouija board. So we're asking questions and the thing is moving and we're all swearing to God, I'm not pushing it, bro, I'm not pushing it. I just have my fingers delicately balanced on top. I swear I'm not pushing it. So then one of the girls asks, she says, if you're really here in this room, do something that will prove it. And I swear on my father's grave, I swear on my life, I will take this to the end of the world and back. All the lights turned off. And it wasn't a power outage either. I know that's what you thought, but it wasn't. We checked later, there was no power outage at all in the dorms that night. Every single light went off, including one of those stand-up lights you get from Walmart where you like twist the thing and it goes click and we literally heard it click. So the main light shut off. I think there was a desk lamp that went off and then one of those like halogen lamps or whatever, the ones that stand vertically that have the little rotator thing, that shit went off. <laughs> it was funny cause we all dogpiled, like we all tried to get under each other. It was really interesting how human survival works. Like you just try to get under other people to save yourself. We just like all dogpile, we were all screaming, ran out of the building. But what's really interesting is a few days later, we talked to the RA, I think it's a remedial assistant. I don't know what the fuck it means. What's RA mean? Anyway, it's like the leader of the dorm, all right? We asked the guy, we're like, hey, you know, this, this ghost thing happened in this room. It was super fucking scary. And he told us that about five years ago, a kid committed suicide in that room. So I'd say that's my most terrifying ghost story. Maybe not the best one ever. I've never like seen a ghost with my eyes but I can feel it, man. Sometimes you go to hotel rooms and you're like, there's something wrong with this hotel room or you just feel it like in the corner or even you can like feel them by you, like the barometric pressure changes or something and you can just feel entities around you. I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like I can. And dude, if I was gonna go buy a house and somebody died there, I would never ever under any circumstance live there. And that leads me into my final story, which is super fucking interesting. And what's cool is I'm gonna play you a recording of a real ghost voice. You can assess it how you want to, I believe it, speaking on a voice recorder. All right, let me pull up my notes here. Tons of notes for you guys, because I try to over-deliver. All right, so have you guys ever heard of this thing called Fox Hollow Farm? Fox Hollow Farm and Herb Baumeister? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but I found this to be one of the most interesting ghost stories I've heard. And yes, I listened to about 10 of them to pick the best one for you champions, because I always try to over-deliver. So this guy named Erb Baumeister was a serial killer. He lived in Indiana, and he was a gay man who would go to the gay bars and pick up young men, bring them back to his place, let them swim in his swimming pool, and then go up behind him and strangle them. And he killed what people think over two dozen young men, and they found five thousand bone fragments on his property because he would just bury them on his property. There's actually video of this guy. It's funny. There was a news report where they were painting the side of the road and this raccoon died and the dude just painted over the raccoon's head. So they're interviewing residents who live nearby and this guy, Erb Baumeister, this serial killer, was interviewed. You can actually find it on YouTube. It's not hard to find, but you watch this guy and he just seems like a dorky, innocent, couldn't hurt a fly kind of dude, right? You would never believe that this guy killed over two dozen young men. He got him at the gay bars, brought him home, and then killed him, and then buried him on his property. What kind of psychopath are we dealing with here? Whenever I think a psychopath, it's always like the dude who you least expect. So the next guy who you feel is innocent, really nice to you, giving you great customer service, you should just punch him in the face, bro, because he's probably a psychopath. So this douche canoe Erb Baumeister kills all these dudes and then he ends up killing himself. But in his suicide note, he doesn't even say where the bodies are or how many people he killed. He just said, my marriage is failing, my business is failing, so I'm committing suicide. And boom, he commits suicide. So in 2006, this couple named Rob and Vicky Graves and their two teenage sons are looking for a property in that area of Indiana. So they go to this place called Fox Hollow Farm and they're like, dude, what the hell is going on here? They're selling this thing for like one quarter of the price that it should be worth. What the hell is happening here? So they ask the real estate lady and they say, hey, what's happening here? And she tells them that this dude, Erb Baumeister, who owned and built this property, killed about two dozen people and buried them all over the property, but no big deal, do you guys still wanna buy it? Get this, bro-tendo, they fucking bought it. I don't know about you, man. I would not touch. You couldn't even push that thing on me. Be like, here's a $2 million property, bro. It's yours for free. I'd be like, get that thing away from me, you fucking idiot. It's like you taking off your underwear right now and trying to like give it to me. I'm running the other direction. That's the way I'd react if they tried to sell me a place that two dozen people were killed at and buried, by the way, on the property. They found 5,000 bone fragments so far and they think it's over two dozen. Hell no. But these idiots... Bought this place. Why would you do that? It makes no sense to me because look what's about to happen. They're about to get haunted, motherfucker. So the first thing that happens is the wife, Vicky, is vacuuming, right? She's vacuuming next to the pool where, by the way, this motherfucker killed all these gay boys. He, she's vacuuming and the cord of the vacuum pops out of the wall. And it's happened to all of us. You know, you're vacuuming and you accidentally pull it, it pops out. So she plugs it back in and she's real cognizant not to do it again. And she's vacuuming and then it pops out again and she's like, what the hell, dude? I did not pull that line taut at all. I left plenty of slack. What's going on here? So she plugs it back in, continues vacuuming, and she's looking at it as she's vacuuming and the thing freaking flings out of the wall, dude. Like someone pulled it out and flings like several feet away. So she's like, huh, that's weird. I wonder if that could be a haunting. Now, you know how Mark Singh is. I'd be running the other direction. I'd be like, we're selling this shit. This shit's haunted. The fucking core jumped out of the outlet, bro. I'm out like sauerkraut. And you'd be like, relax, bro. You were so scared of ghosts. It was just a electrical charge that popped it out. I'd be convinced at that point, let alone all the other shit that's about to happen. All right, so her husband, Rob, the dude who bought this place, he worked at a car dealership and his employee, Joe, was always late to work. So Rob says, hey, man, you're always late to work. What's going on with this? And he says, I live an hour away. You know, it's really hard for me to get here on time. And then Rob says, hey, you can come live in the attached apartment at our new place. We live at this gorgeous residence called Fox Hollow Farm. It's got this apartment attached to it. You can live there. And that way you won't be late anymore. So Joe's super pumped. He moves in within a matter of hours. And that first night, he has this really creepy dream that somebody's chasing him. So creepy, in fact, that he did something he's never done before, which was to sleepwalk, actually to sleep run. He runs out of his bed, hits his head on a cupboard or something, breaks some glass, and really cuts his hand. And he was like, dude, this was super weird. I've never had such a terrifying dream, and that was really strange. So the next day, Rob, the owner of the house, is painting the house, and Vicky is speaking to him We're out of the corner of her eye. She sees a man in the forest because there's an adjacent forest right there wearing a red shirt. And she's like, what the fuck? And she's looking at this guy and then he kind of starts walking off into the forest like Bigfoot and then he's fucking gone. So she's like, hey, I just saw a, a guy in a red shirt walking around in the forest. What's up with that? Because they had their own property. It wasn't nearby any other houses. And then Rob says, well, you know, this is a famous place. This dude killed all these people. So it's probably just a looky loo who's coming by to check it out. So they kind of brush it off and they think it's weird, but in Vicky's mind, it sounded very odd that there's just this random dude walking around and it really put her on edge. So then several nights go by and Joe, the dude who's renting the apartment, remember, which by the way is where most shit happened, he's doing dishes and he hears knocking on his door. Bro, this one, I'd be so gone. I'd be like running, I'd be peeing as I run, I'd be pooping as I run pooping as just like launching shit to make me go faster. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so he's doing the dishes and he hears knocking on his door. Okay, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in a second. The knocking continues. It gets harder and harder until the door is actually vibrating. And he's like, dude, Rob, relax. And he thinks it's Rob because there's no one around. Like he lives on this dude's property. It must be either Rob or Vicky. So he's like, hold on, man, relax. So he goes over, he opens the door. And of course there's nobody there. But then he notices the knocker, you know that thing you use to knock? It's literally being held up, like being held up as if somebody is holding it kind of like vertically and he's like, what the fuck? And he looks at it and then it suddenly drops and hits the door. So at this point, after the dream that Joe had, after that just happened, he's kind of shitting bricks a little bit and he kind of turns around he's like, what the fuck, dude? And he sees a guy walk into his bedroom. As he's looking at this guy walk into his bedroom, kind of out of the corner of his eye, right? And by the way, have you ever seen something out of the corner of your eye? That was definitely a ghost. Definitely a ghost. So, sees this dude walk by out of the corner of his eye, and his dog starts growling, so he very slowly, and by the way, this is when I pull out the Sig Sauer P226 9mm with the tactical light on the front, and I clear my room, or I call the cops, or I throw a grenade into the room. Those are my three options. But this dude, just with his dog, starts kind of searching his room, and of course, nobody's there. So after Joe has this happen, he takes his dog for a walk to clear his head, right? So the knocking on the door happens where the knocker levitates and then drops on its own. He sees a dude in his apartment and he has that nightmare where he cuts his hand real bad. Eh, I just think I'll go outside and walk my dog a little bit in the darkness. And maybe I'll go by Rob and Vicky's house to see if they were the ones knocking. Like maybe they were doing a prank on me. They were hanging off the roof or something and knocking and they had a fishing string connected to the knocker. I don't know what happened, okay? I'm just gonna go check it out. So he walks over to their house and the lights are all off. And then he sees a guy in the forest who too was wearing a red shirt. His dog also saw him and his dog took off into the forest after this guy. The guy disappears, the dog disappears and Joe, despite being absolutely terrified, cause look at that, look at all the shit that's happened. And now he sees a dude in the forest who he doesn't know who it is. All the lights are off around the property, but he sees this dude and his dog takes off after him. And he has to run after his dog because he loves his dog and he doesn't want him to get hurt. So he gets a few feet into the forest and then he sees his dog on the trail right in front of him, but the dog is facing him. And the dog has a terrified look on its face, like kind of its head is tilted and it's kind of cowering. It's got its tail between its legs. And then Joe looks to the right and there's a fucking man in a red shirt standing right there staring at him. And he takes off running. Joe takes off running with his dog back into the apartment, locks all the doors, starts looking out the window, is just freaking out and stays up all night, looking to see if this dude is like tormenting them, trying to break into his apartment. So the next morning, Joe goes over to Vicky and Rob's house and tells him about what happened. And Vicky is kind of freaking out because she too saw that dude in the red shirt, remember? So that night, Joe is in his apartment. And once again, someone starts knocking on the door again so hard, in fact, that the door is shaking, okay? Joe, at this point, is spraying projectile diarrhea onto the ceiling, he's peeing uncontrollably, and he throws up and he has a hard-on at the same time because all his senses are just fucked up. I'm kidding, of course, but that's what I'd be doing. Okay, so someone's knocking really hard, and he's like, okay, bro, I just gotta face this guy, I gotta face him, swings open the door super fast, and no one is there, so then he shuts the door, starts walking backwards from it, and then suddenly the doorknob starts rotating and he hears the springs clicking. He sees it rotating and then suddenly the fucking door swings open super fast and of course no one is there again. So at this point, he does the marksing protocol and he fucking runs, okay? So he runs out of the house and he stops about 20 feet from the front door. He turns around and he sees a man clear as day in white. He's not in red, there's a dude wearing all white who's soaking wet head to toe. Now don't forget, this Herb Baumeister dude killed people in the swimming pool. So that's what we're thinking is that he's all wet and he's standing there inside Joe's apartment. And once Joe sees this, he finally understands that there's some hairy shit going on and he freaking runs to Rob and Vicky's place and tells them what happened. Okay, so at this point, they're all freaking out. So what they do is they all jump on the computer and they Google herb baumeister victims i haven't googled that myself please hold i'm gonna google it real quick bro you have to google that dude there are some pretty terrifying haircuts on those pictures man wow 1970s for sure 80s like where the hair is over the ears how do you hear anything the flock of seagulls haircut damn he killed all these guys that's fucked up you're an asshole bro and then you see a picture of him and he just looks like a dweeb Old old dweeb, okay, back to the story. So they're Googling all these kids, right? And the pictures that I'm looking at right now, which you probably looking at yourself, and Joe's looking through the pictures and suddenly with utmost conviction, he's like, that's the dude. That's the dude right there who was standing in my apartment. So now they start theorizing. They're like, okay, so this guy killed over two dozen young men. These young men are haunting us to maybe try to show us like what happened to them, right? The guy in red, who knows who he was, the guy in white, he's definitely a victim because I'm sitting here looking at his damn picture. Maybe they're trying to communicate with us. So that's what they conclude to kind of try to rationalize it to themselves, right? Because this is some scary shit. I guess they felt they couldn't move out. I would be at an Airbnb like 16 weeks ago, dude. Like The second I had that bad dream, I'd be like, yeah, this shit's haunted. I'm out. The second they told me hey, uh, by the way, two dozen young men were killed here and there's bones all over the property. But hey, you can stay in our apartment, buddy. I'd be like, fuck you, you. I ain't fucking stay in there, dude. I'll get an Airbnb. But anyway, this dude, Joe, is some different kind of motherfucker and he stays. Okay, so he stays there. So a few days go by and Joe goes for a walk with his dog and he's on the trail and sitting there out in the middle of the trail on top of the leaves, clean as day, was a human femur bone. Okay, so he's thinking to himself, this place has been combed over for thousands of hours by the police. They've dug up more than 5,000 bones. And yet this bone is just sitting here clear as day on a trail, just sitting on top of the leaves. I don't think so. The fucking ghost left it there, obviously. Maybe trying to tell them, hey, this is my femur bone. Go DNA that shit and identify me to tell my parents. Who knows, man? I think there's a lot more here than we know and we're not supposed to know. It's part of the game that we don't know. And yes, I think that people can get maybe locked in to a certain location or don't go to the other side because the trauma has somehow adhered them to the location where the trauma happened. I don't know, man, but I'm open minded, dude. I'm very open minded. Okay, so here's the kicker, man. This shit is fucking terrifying. And yes, I'm going to play the recording for you. Don't you worry. I got your back. So a few days later, Joe's in his apartment and he's just doing his own thing and he hears scraping, almost like knives scraping against something. So he goes into the kitchen where he thinks the sound came from and he finds all his knives have been removed from the knife block. You know, those like fancy knife blocks where you keep all your kitchen utensils. All the knives have been removed and they were arranged neatly in the bottom of the sink. Okay, so he's looking at them and he's like, what the hell is this, right? All my knives were removed placed gently in the sink. What is this about? And then he's kind of looking at the island or the place where the sink is, and it's wood on the bottom. And there's all these cut marks in the wood that definitely were not there before. So as he's sitting there, he's like, what the hell is going on? Are these victims trying to communicate with me about what happened? Maybe he's trying to say like, I was killed with a knife or something like that. So he gets a tape recorder out, which by the way is good ghost hunting protocol for your next ghost hunting adventure. So he gets his tape recorder out and he says, who is the person in the kitchen? And he listens really closely and he doesn't hear anything. So then his dog starts looking in a certain direction and kind of growling, and he keeps the tape recorder on and he says again, who is the person in the kitchen? So he thinks maybe if he uploads it to his computer and turns up the audio a lot, maybe he can hear something. So that's exactly what he did. He plugs it into his thumb drive and it was 2006. So they did have the technology back then and he puts it up on his computer and he hears a voice who when he asks, who is the person in the kitchen? The voice replies back, the married one. So he's like the married one, what the hell does that mean? So then they do a little more research with Joe and Vicky and apparently every single person who was killed on this property was single because he was a young gay man and he was killed on the property. The only person who was married was Herb Baumeister himself. Here's the recording that Joe caught that night. Who keeps walking in the kitchen? All right, gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I most certainly did. Once again, storytelling to women is ridiculously powerful. So definitely utilize that in your attraction building campaigns and you'll get tons of success out of it. I hope you guys have an awesome Halloween tonight. Be safe. Open, girls. Have a good time. And remember, gentlemen, ghosts are fucking real, dude. Ghosts are 100% real. I'm 100% convinced, especially after hearing a story like that one. Have a great night, gentlemen. And I will see you in the next episode.